Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. Running your own business sounds like a dream, but the reality is pretty arduous. Creating a business plan, generating capital, filing the necessary paperwork, throw in a deadly pandemic, and, well, you get the picture. Nashville recently handed out $9 million in federal funds to help these small businesses. But how far did that money really go? And did it help our minority-owned businesses? Later this hour, we'll get some insight from the person heading up that recovery fund and then invite a few small business owners themselves to share how they're faring. But first, it's been about four years since Nashvilleans voted to create a police oversight board. And those four years have not been without their hurdles for the community board. The latest is a discovery that police body camera footage was being edited before it was handed over to investigators. WPLN's criminal justice reporter, Paige Flager, has been following the story, and she joins me now. Paige, Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So give us the backstory. How did the Community Oversight Board discover that police were editing body camera footage? Yeah, the whole thing started last summer in July when um, there was an incident between a community member and a police officer. And uh, this community member made a report to the Community Oversight Board, reached out and said, you know, I had this interaction. I really didn't like how I was treated. I felt like the officer was being disrespectful to me. Um, And when the Community Oversight Board gets a complaint like that, they go through a usual process of requesting all of the information about the incident from the police department. And that includes oftentimes body camera footage. So they requested that. They did their investigation. They put out a report saying, you know, we think that this officer should be disciplined for X, Y, and Z. And then usually what happens is the police department comes back and says, like, We accept some of these recommendations or we don't accept these recommendations. Mm. But this time when the police department came back to the oversight board, they were like, also, we're going to discipline this officer for swearing. And the community oversight board was like, hold up. That was not in the video that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have any evidence that the officer swore. And that was kind of how they realized that some of the footage that they had received for this particular incident had been edited. Okay, so... You know, it sounds kind of obvious, but the purpose purpose of the COB is to provide that oversight of the police department. How are they supposed to do that if the footage they receive is edited? Right. And that was kind of this big question when this one incident happened was, you know, it, has this happened before? How many videos did, did uh, this situation involve? Swearing, a police officer is not supposed to swear at a community member. Um, and so... In this situation, in this particular situation, the community oversight board was kind of like, well, the police department removed misconduct from evidence in a misconduct investigation. So Mm -hmm. there were a lot of questions. What has Metro Police had to say about this? Yeah, so it's kind of evolved over time. Um, I think in the beginning, it was sort of just like, this is an IT employee. He was doing this and he shouldn't have been. And we've disciplined him and like... Kind of that's that. Uh, And then 
there was some pressure from the oversight board back on the police department. Uh, they sort of asked them to do an investigation. They did an investigation. Turns out it was it was two employees and not just one employee like we originally thought. Um, but they they told us, you know, they didn't know how many videos had been edited. Uh, and here's police spokesman Don Aaron talking about that at a press conference back in August. We're going to be looking at that and we will have an answer as to how many words may have been muted in videos through all the reviews and then the reissuance of these videos. At this point, I can't give you a definitive number. We just don't know. So we still don't know how widespread the editing was by police staff. Yeah, that's right. And and we don't know, you know, this employee, the first employee has been with the department for about a year and a half. So uh, we don't know if it's been happening that whole time that he's been there. And then the other employee actually had been with the department for much longer. Now, police have only had body cameras for a few years here. Um, but the community oversight board is also concerned, like if this was a habit that people were in, that maybe they would also be editing like dash cam footage or camera footage from from inside police cars. So there's sort of a question of like how broad this is. How has the Community Oversight Board, how have they reacted to this? Yeah, I think the back and forth and kind of the way that the story has evolved um, has raised a lot of questions for them. Um, it's been really frustrating for the Community Oversight Board. Um, here's Joe Fitcher talking about that. She's the director. They cannot continue to send their liaison and others, you know, with all these different stories on what's happening. They did that initially when they had Commander Lara, who was the Community Oversight Board liaison, come in and say one thing. Then at the next meeting, they had their Office of Professional Accountability Director, Kathy Moranti, come into that meeting and say something else. And then they had a press conference and they said something else. So who's not being consistent here is them. Right. And so it's them that has to try to figure out how they're going to build trust with this community. And, you know, Fitcher has felt like the police department maybe didn't take their own investigation or this situation as seriously as she felt it was. And I think there are still lingering questions about, like, why these employees started making these changes. Um, and that question was also kind of has gone unanswered. How how important is it that Metro Police and the Oversight Board have a good relationship? Yeah, I think it's quite important in this situation. Like a, the cooperation between these two entities could mean like increased transparency from the police department and would make citizens feel as though the department is accountable to them. Right. Like this process is there for the citizens to say, I didn't enjoy this interaction. I want someone to look into it. And, and that's really what the purpose of the board is. And I think it becomes really tough to accomplish that type of accountability if there's already distrust between the police department and the oversight board and the board isn't sure if they're getting all of the relevant information that they need to do their jobs. So what does this really mean for the rest of us in the community? Yeah, beyond kind of this relationship and the distrust within there, I think that there's also a question of whether or not um, community members feel as though the oversight board is able to hold the police department accountable, right? Even if that's because they're not getting all the information that they need from the police department, uh, it could make people think, you know, I'm not going to bring forward a complaint about police misconduct if, you know, we're not going to get to the bottom of the actual interaction. I think that there's also, it sort of erodes 
the concept in the community that like the oversight board is able to accomplish the thing that they're set out to do. So when can we expect the review of the footage to be finished? Yeah, so the police are reviewing in total more than 300 videos. These are videos that were provided from the police department to the oversight board for investigations. Um, Half of those are slated to be done by this Friday. The rest will be finished by next Friday. And, you know, depending on what the investigation finds, the COB could have to go back and revisit some old complaints that they've already closed. Paige Flager is WPLN's criminal justice reporter. Paige, thanks for being here, and thanks for your reporting. Thanks for having me. You can find all of her past reporting on this topic at WPLN.org. We have to take a break. When we come back, we'll check in on our small businesses. How are they faring after the pandemic? And hey, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to show your support. It's the first day of our fall fund drive. Give now at WPLN.org. And thank you so much. I'm Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The past few years have been hard on our small businesses. Here on This Is Nashville, we've heard stories about beloved shops and restaurants shutting their doors for the last time because of the pandemic. So, how is this city responding? Earlier this year, Metro Council approved $20 million in federal funds from the American Rescue Plan Act to be set aside for the Nashville Small Business Recovery Fund. Recently, the fund awarded $9 million in grants to nearly 500 small businesses. Joining us now is the man leading that recovery fund, Thomas Sheffield. He's the director of Nashville Opportunity Fund with Pathway Lending. Thomas Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's fun. It's great to have you with us. So, you know, how has the Small Business Fund, how's, it, how's that worked? Well, like you said, uh, the um, the mayor and the uh, council had the foresight to see that there was a need in the small business community. Uh, and as you said, with the American Rescue Plan, they were given a certain amount of dollars to, to use uh, toward uh, as they saw fit, Okay. And many uh, municipalities in Tennessee chose to spend however they wanted to, but they had the foresight here in Nashville to to use it to uh, boost up the ecosystem here in Nashville. So uh, once they did, made that decision, they uh, chose Pathway to be the administrator of, the, uh, administrator of these funds. And it's something that uh, Pathway has done before. So we're kind of familiar with with the processing. and. And I was just really excited to be be there for the ride. It, it's been a, a wonderful experience, and and to be able to help these small businesses get the the capital they need to not only survive but to thrive. We hope. Let me ask: Were there specific areas of the city that were earmarked to be a focus for the funds? Yes, and that's a good question. The the uh, council decided that. Uh, we should break up the funds into three different pools. So the first pool was to really look at um, getting the funds out to businesses in the North Nashville area. So by North Nashville, they broke it up into five different zip codes, which which were 37208, 37218, 37228, 37207, and 209. And they were allotted, uh, just for those zip codes, $2.5 million. $3.5 million was then allowed uh, to go to the distressed areas here in, in Davidson County. And I was really flabbergasted to learn that there were 
Uh, all the zip codes in Davidson County, except for seven, were considered uh, distressed areas. And then three other three, the rest of the money went to uh, uh, Metro wide. Uh, anyone else in the, in the city could apply for those funds. So the, the goal here was to target certain areas to make sure that the funds was distributed uh, to people that may not have gotten money through the um, uh, CARES program or through PPP. As I mentioned, nearly 500 small businesses received grants. Tell us about some of the businesses that got help. Oh, my goodness. You know, there's one thing I, I, I love about Nashville. You know, you think what causes these big companies to come to Nashville? I mean, could it be the, the clean air, the clean water? Uh, is it our educational system? We are the Athens of the South, full of uh, wonderful schools and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Or, or, uh, But I like to think that it's the um, small business ecosystem that we have here. Uh, we have businesses that do so much for the community and add value in so many different ways. Uh, anywhere from um, your cosmetologist to your auto mechanic or to plumbers or painters, um, electricians. I mean, so many businesses have applied um, and we were able to spur them on and to help them to, to, like I said, not just survive, but we want them to use it to, to thrive and to grow. How did you decide which businesses got help? It was on a first come, first serve basis. So you would go to the Pathway Lending website. You fill out the application. If you qualified, uh, you were given a number, and we worked the grants through through the, by the number system. So I understand that more than one thousand who applied did not receive aid. That almost one thousand, almost one thousand. Yeah, it was quite a few. So that underscores the the real need uh, that the small business community has. Um, there are so many people that still need our help. Uh, the good news is, you know, like you said, the twenty million dollars that was allotted. Uh, we still have $9 million that's available uh, for small business loans. So you can still apply to get help uh, through our loan program, which is at a 2% interest rate, which is a heck of a deal. Why are, why is that $9 million allotted as loans and not furtherance of the grants? That is a decision that was made by the Metro Council. They wanted the opportunity to have people to pay that money back. And so what happens is when those loans go out, the money comes back to the Nashville Opportunity Fund, which allows me the opportunity to loan somebody else some more money. So basically what we're trying to do is keep the money going into the community. We're trying to keep it here so that we can continuously invest in the small businesses here. Have a sustainability aspect. Exactly. Okay, so what are some of the reasons why the people who didn't get aid, why didn't they qualify? There was... Unfortunately, we were able to see a trend here with the small business community. During the pandemic, it hurt a lot of businesses, um, and a lot of businesses didn't have time or didn't have the the infrastructure needed to invest in um, simple things like getting a license or filing their income taxes, which was a requirement based upon um, the legislation. So those were the common reasons. So we tried to give them a chance to go ahead and get those taxes filed for 2021, or to go onto the website and and get their their businesses right, you know, make them um, sound internally before it got too late. So that was one of the, um, I guess you could call it unintended consequences of the program was it, it it caused a lot of the businesses that we were able to get grants for it caused them to actually get their business 
right for business. Okay. I'd like to introduce our next guest, who is one of the recipients of one of these federal grants. Altogracia Buenida is the owner of Buendia, pardon me, is the owner of residential cleaning business, We Clean. Altogracia, welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. So tell me about your business and why you created it. Uh, I came to this beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, 18 years ago. And I have really good skills to cleaning and was was when I started to do that. And after many years, I decided to make this formal and having my small business or my small company. Mm-hmm. I continue to do that and serving this all people in Nashville. So tell me, how did the COVID-19 pandemic, how did that affect your business? Really affects me a lot because in when this situation started, normally we are cleaning 12 houses a day. And when the pandemic started, we use had one house mm. per day, per eight people. That's a big drop. It is a big drop. And was really difficult because the most people, they decided to stop their service. And like I just mentioned, it was uh, eight people, eight families to helping to the family to our income. Mm-hmm. So it was really devastating for us. How worried were you at that time about losing your business? I was really worried about as community and as a humans because I feel so responsible for the girls who are working with me. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, what I need to do? We lost our job. We lost our income. Mm-hmm. And some people support us, but um was really difficult time for us. So tell me, how did you first hear about the Small Business Recovery Fund? Uh, I, a member on Conexión America, mm-hmm. like um, it's an organization like nonprofit, like they like to help. At the most time, everyone, but the most Latino community, and um, they send me an invitation to um, inform me about the this really good plan and this really good support like the city will have for the small business. Now, a few years ago, you went through a program to help formalize your business, sort of get your business right, so to speak, as tight, like Thomas was saying. You know, tell me about that. Yes, uh, I'm taking some course like Commercial America proportion to the new business owners and um, telling you what is the best way to having your former business. Mm-hmm. And was, was when I'm decided like to make it this normal and um, open my and apply for my business license with the Davidson County, register my business with the Tennessee State and start paying all the requirements like I need to pay. Mm-hmm. 
If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about how small businesses in Nashville are faring and how the Nashville Small Business Recovery Fund has helped some of those businesses. Now, Thomas, when you hear stories like Alta Gracias, how do you feel? It makes it all worth it. I mean, just knowing that we're able to help somebody to continue to grow to, you know, and, and to let businesses know there there's money there, there are people there that, that we're here to help. And it just really um, it inspires me to keep doing it and to try to keep helping more and more businesses. Um, it's very, very gratifying. As we mentioned, not everyone who applied received aid like Alta Gracia did. How has, how is the Nashville Business Recovery Fund, you know, outside of the loan, how, what are other ways you guys are finding ways to help them? Well, like I said before, the main thing is to get, help businesses get ready for business. Like you said, help people to understand that how important it is to get uh, your business license, how important it is to get registered uh, with the state, how important it is to get your taxes um, done. And uh, we work with uh, not just Pathway, but we also work with uh, different uh, nonprofit partners to help us get the word out and to help uh, people to apply for, for these loans or for any grants or any loans. Um, they help them to upload their information or figure out what information is needed in order to apply for these loans and grants. So it's just a really good deal for uh, a really good investment of time and, and effort for the small business community here in Davidson County. So knowing how much demand there was for this assist, this type of assistance, what are your hopes for helping more of our small business community? You know, I would love to see some more legislation dr drawn up to allow us to um, give uh, a better injection of capital into the small businesses. Because as I said before, there is a huge need and and uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. So if we can make sure that more people are able to apply and receive this, the funding they need, even if it is with a small interest loan, like I said, with 2%, or if it's through a grant, but the main goal is to make sure that these businesses are more sound and ready to receive the the, the funding or the business that they, they so, so desire. Okay, so outside of the recovery fund, mm -hmm. what other aid is out there for folks who are looking into running their own businesses. Well, the wonderful thing about Pathway and, and organizations like Connexion and, and TLAC and, and the Nashville Business Incubation Center and, and Corner to Corner that we work with, um, there's opportunities to get coaching. There's opportunities to get, uh, just because you get a loan, once you get a loan, the, 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 um, the uh, journey's not complete. Okay, so you still have ample opportunity to get education and coaching through organizations such as those and even through Pathway where we can walk you through and help you to become an even better or, or more successful business than you already were. Um, we value the business community. We want the best from our community. Uh, and we need the best from our community. So we're working our I'm working as hard as I can to try to make sure that we get the best from any everybody and give the best to everybody. Now, you mentioned PPP loans earlier. Right. And they really created a stir in the business community. Yes. There was a lot of outrage about the access to those loans, and plenty of small business owners were left out. What steps were taken with this that's, program to try to make up for the shortcomings That's from the PPP? exact reason why it was broken up into those three tranches for North Nashville, the distressed census tracts, and, and, and the rest of Metro. That's the exact reason why this came up, because a lot of uh, minority-owned businesses were left out. 
Mm-hmm. And with this, uh, with our uh, loans or with our grants, there was a cap put on what the income level was uh, for the previous year. So basically, to get a loan or to get a, to have gotten a grant, you would have to have made at least ten thousand dollars, but no more than a million dollars in revenue for the previous year. So that cut out a lot of the large companies or, or the companies down on Broadway from being eligible to apply for this money. That put it back into the hands of everyone else. So those measures were put into place. So uh, also you have to have less than 50 employees um, and you have to be in Davidson County. So these types of things were there to mitigate the losses that were not or the, the money that was not received during the PPP. Now, Altagracia, you, as we mentioned, you got one of the federal grants for your business, We Clean. What type of help did you receive? I received uh, some grants, and uh, I feel so grateful and appreciate because I was late on some payments and some insurance payments mm-hmm. because the payments will never stop. Mm-hmm. And um, that's for the reason I will keep some funds because the situation starts coming back again. I I'm start receiving some cancellations every day in the morning. Like people start having sick, start having uh positive some COVID. So I will be smart to spend these funds mm-hmm. because it's the money to support small business. Now you know, what's your advice for any current business owners or someone who is hoping to start their own business about seeking out organizations to help them get started? To make the right decision and the correct decisions. Always, I say, um, we need to give a notice to the state what we need to do pay your taxes and pay all the fees like we need to do to make like a real business. Mm-hmm. Now, Thomas, we have about maybe 30 seconds left. What are your hopes for the I, small business community ecosystem in Nashville? I hope that they take advantage of this opportunity to get the money that they need to invest in the future, not just to pay off old debt, but we want them to build a sustainable business that pays off and that they can make money off of. So just please go to uh, um, pathwaylending.org forward slash Nashville. You can learn more about the program there and, and get your application gone. That is Thomas Sheffield, director of the Nashville Opportunity Fund with Pathway Lending. He was here with Altagracia Buenita, owner of Wendia, pardon me, owner of WeClean. Thank you both so much for being on the show Thank today. you so Thank much. Thank you for having me. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to meet a few business owners navigating through the recovery fund without federal aid and get a greater understanding of what their needs are. Are you a business owner who is in need of help? Did you apply for federal funds but found out you did not qualify? Tweet us about it at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. 
We've been talking this hour about the hurdles our small, our small business owners have had to overcome in the past few years through the COVID-19 pandemic. Those challenges were even greater for Spanish-speaking and immigrant-owned businesses. To get a better understanding of the unique hurdles these business owners face and what resources are available to help, I'd like to introduce my next guests. Noelia Chinchilla Oliva is the owner of Olive Plates Party Rental and Catering. She is joined by Becca Blank. Business Development Chair at Voces de Nashville, a cooperatively owned company that teaches Spanish lessons. Noelia, Becca, thank you both for joining us. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you for this opportunity. So, Noelia, tell me, how did you get the idea to start your business? The first thing, because I remember the first time my husband bring me money for buying my groceries, I save money because I want to make some business later for the moment I own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grown with this China, a member of my family. This is the reason the first time I go to the, the antique shop, I look in the plates. I say, this is opportunity for put my money and later open the business. And the business is party rental and catering. Rent all the fine china, cups, glasses, tablecloths, napkins, chairs, decorations, set up tables, and making the best for big day for the weddings, for the birthdays, for all celebration. No hard chance for number. The two, 300, 400, mm-hmm. because I have 5,000 pieces of china. You have 5,000 plates in your inventory. Yes. Wow. How long did it take you to collect all of that? I collected more for twenty, more than 20 years. Okay. Okay. Question for you. Where do you find them? I found them in antique, antique shops, stay sailing, in the Goodwill, because I like Goodwill. I like share some clothes, and sometimes I found them the stuff, and stay sailing. Because I need something different. The Monday to Friday, I know you're busy. Saturday, sometimes I take a couple hours and go visit these places. And found them nice and nice prices. I keep them and take them from my house. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me, what was the process like when you became a business owner and you moved forward with Olive Plates Party Rental and Catering? Okay. I I had too many different Ideas for making business. This is the reason Oli Plate had different names because Oli Plate Antique Boutique Rental and Catering. Because the first thing I thinking for Puridon Boutique, mm-hmm. but after that I say it's better open for rental and catering. And the other one is I open because. I give, I receive Corona. I stay at home for a couple of days. Mm. So this is moment after I feel better, I say I have a lot of stuff. It's moment for open the business. But I'm very spiritual people, person. I pray to God and give me the first time the customer. So this is my lesson. It's moment for open the business. Okay. And this is the reason I take party rental and catering. What, what difficult that that's beautiful. By the way, that you 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 got sick with COVID and you took your time and you came up with the idea and then you prayed, and your prayers were answered. 
Tell me about any difficulties you faced in trying to get the business off the I ground. sure it's difficult because I grew up with the family business. It was different business in the other time. And this time in different country, it's other moment. And now it's difficult because I know I professional, I using computer, but more than 20 years, I know using computer, I learning again. And mm. the uh, now all is Facebook, Instagram, I need learning about that all. Need the learning. Does I go learning specific for different 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 things about open the business. This is the reason I take in Connection America mm. for learning about the contract, license, insurance, marketing, taxes, uh, contabilization, uh, all all information about the money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how I need open LLC, open account. It's all together I need learning about that for open the business because I want my business very truly because I, 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 I that. Yes. So it's, I need my business in very good way, but it's difficult. But if you have passion for that, you need going. Yes, yes. Because I encourage to everybody had a new business, Becca, in this moment, go up. Well, let me let me ask you, Becca, what inspired you to start Voces de Nashville? Yeah, so um, Voces de Nashville started with myself and two other women. Um, I was coming at it from a teacher's pr- perspective, um, teaching e- English learners in uh, MMPS, and basically noticing that there weren't enough Spanish speakers uh, on staff in our schools to attend to Spanish speaking families and therefore provide the same access to our resources to families. Um, and a lot of my colleagues really wanted to learn. Uh, I had had the privilege before of, of going to Chile and teaching down, uh, down there for two years where I learned Spanish, but, um, you know, I, there's no reason to have to do that. Um, we have our, our vibrant Hispanic community right here in Nashville where you can learn the language and the culture. And so um, together with, with two other women who are mothers in MMPS, um, native Spanish speakers, we um, decided to start this business um, to, um, one, train, te- train teachers and train native speakers and maybe provide job opportunities that they, or work opportunities that they have not had um, before. Um, a lot of our teachers come from housekeeping backgrounds and um, construction backgrounds. And then also fill that need of, of people wanting to learn Spanish. Um, now you started, you launched during the pandemic, right? And we launched during the pandemic. So to that point, um, as I think Alta Gracia mentioned earlier, um, Latina women statistically were the hardest hit with job losses in the pandemic. Um, and so uh, when we were getting this together, there was an urgency because people needed work. Um, and so that was also a huge reason why we started when we started. Now, you know, before the break, we were talking about small business and the recovery fund, which handed out $9 million in federal grants to about 500 businesses. Now, neither of your businesses were eligible for that kind of aid, right? Mine, no. No? Becca, yours not either? No. Now, 
you know, so where have you all turned for advice and support? Becca, where have you turned? You know, it's interesting because um, the rest of my co-owners in the business are um, Latina immigrants, um, but myself as a white woman from Nashville, um, I had a lot of social capital and access to capital and access to people in the business world. So we're a very unique position where I've I bring those things and I'm trying to distribute them um, to my privileges to my uh, co-owners um, and use them together. Um, so that is, uh, we're, we're very unique in that way. Noelia, what type of help, what advice did you go for to find? Okay, I sure I wanna, this is opportunity for the founding most customer and see what can do and need need grown because I need more customer because I need apply in the next time for this help because I need a number blue because I sure I wanna I I make a business for grown only maybe need more people see me and see what I have and what is exactly I can do for all but I understand this is pandemic time is little hard, but I'm sure the prices is the same to the competition. I see everybody have opportunity for taking me too. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Becca, why do you feel programs like VOSIS and Negocio Prospero aren't so necessary? Yeah, um, so, so programs like Negocio Prospero with Conexión and Avanzando with the Tennessee Latin American Chamber um, are so valuable because a lot of our native Spanish speakers don't have the privileges I have. And those are ways for them to learn the skills, build the social capital, build the financial capital to start their businesses. Um, and I know the Tennessee Latin American Chamber, Nashville Area Hispanic Chamber have been really good about bringing Thomas in um, to connect people with these financial resources. And then the programs that provide the educational resources are, are very valuable. Um, and I know Noelia has experience with the uh, Conexión Pros, uh, Negocio Prospero program. Yes, I have. I, I received the Negocio Prospero in Conexión America. Now I receive English classes too. Mm-hmm. With the, I go to the compu, computers. You know, mm-hmm. but th- this one I can do because I working in the bank before. So it's, now it's only learning, but I can do very well Excel and Word. But you know, uh, now I only play this member on the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce too. I have all their other size too. I use him because I need my business grow. Now. Becca, tell me, how important is it that programs maintain and foster the relationships with the people they work with? Because it seems like Noelia is continuing to get work. Altagracia, who we had on before, is continuing to get help. How important is that? So Conexion has a few uh, longtime employees who've been able to sustain themselves there who are um, really, really valuable um, because they have uh, these deep relationships with people in the community and they do check in on them and know them. Same with um, a shout out to Jesse Garcia Knowles uh, from the Tennessee Latin American Chamber. Um, And so 
uh, you know, I, I was even talking to Noel, uh, Noelia Altagracia um, before, and she said she's taken the Conexion class three times and learned mm. something new each time. And so it's really important to have that consistent support. And that's yes. what I mean when I have social capital. Mm. Um, I have consistent support from family, friends, both financial and expertise um, because of my my. Um, the, the social position I'm in as a white woman, a woman from who was private school educated, university educated. And so it's about uh, these programs are vital because uh, there's that huge gap in opportunity. Noelia, how important is that consistency to you? Yes, it's very important because every day you're learning something and you put them practice for your business. Sometimes Example, uh, Nashville area, Spanish Chamber, in the pandemic time, give a lot of Zooms, different, different course I receive because I need it. I remember the first time I opened my business, I tell my son, the first thing I need open membership with the Chamber of Commerce. So mm -hmm. I don't have idea what chamber. I call in too many chamber, but I found in Nashville area Chamber of Commerce, I open because I need some support. Mm -hmm. Because you pay for that for some, you know. So this is the reason. Pero Conexión América is all other place very accessible for other opportunities. Pero every day in the, you have business, need learning everything. Specifically, you want to make a, a, a new people working for yourself. Becca, there are programs like Pathway Lending, Negocio Prospero, even Corner to Corner that was mentioned earlier, they're out there to assist underrepresented groups who've had trouble getting started. Are they doing enough? I would say these groups, yes, are doing as much as they can, given their constraints. Um, they are doing um, a, as best they can in building those relationships, building out their programs, um, which is, is a challenge given the environment that they're in, where they're you know, competing for grants and having a hard time maintaining staff because of the um, the wages they're able to pay. Um, so I think they're doing the best they can. I would say um, those that can do better for our city are um, our larger corporations like HGA, Ingrams. Now we've got Amazon and Oracle, you know, and their influ obvious influence over Metro Council. Um, I think that there's a couple of, of things that I would want them to more deeply understand one being that the financial capital that they are are um, providing for for minoritized groups to start businesses really giving sustaining amounts of money to um, these um, these organizations that are funneling it and just directly to small businesses mm -hmm. um, I would also just say, they could be more aware as well of the, the the social capital and connections that it takes for small businesses to start. And so I think uh, just the recognition of the, the gap there is um, in capital is something that I, I would like for our city leaders to recognize. That is Becca Blank with Voces de Nashville. She was joined by Noelia Chinchilla Oliva, owner of Olive Plates Party Rental and Catering. Thanks to you both for being on the show today. Really appreciate having you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Doreo PLN.
por this opportunity. It's a pleasure. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Tomorrow, we'll remember Dr. Paul T. Kwame, the longtime music director for the Fisk Jubilee Singers passed away last weekend. Current and former students will join us to reflect on his life and legacy. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Our show has only been possible because of your support. We're kicking off our fall fun drive today, and we need you to step up and make your donation now at thisisnashville.org. While you're there, you can listen back to all of our episodes. Our producers are Steve Harush and Rose Gilbert and Mr. Tony Gonzalez. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. I'm Khalil Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.